You're listening to My Comic Shop History, part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. In addition to My Comic Shop History, my Patreon page also includes a quartet of additional exclusive podcasts. There's My Super Fan History, five monthly episodes examining the Man of Steel across media, My Comic Shop Book Club, a quarterly event that makes its Patreon debut later this fall, with an episode focusing on the DC works of Brad Meltzer. Of course, there's also the My Comic Shop History After Show, and coming in 2019, Beyond My Comic Shop. Sign up at patreon.com slash mycomicshophistory. Hesitation kills. Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This is our post-New York Comic Con edition, in which former Alternate Realities owner Steve Odo and I recount our experiences on the convention floor and at the exclusive Diamond Retailer Appreciation Breakfast. I am pleased to welcome back to the show once more the retailer formerly known as SCO, Steve Odo. Welcome, Steve. Here I am again. Back again. Oh, boy. One week ago, we spent the day together at New York Comic Con. That was fun. It was. We didn't spend much time together. <laughs> we didn't. Well, we had part of the day side by side, mm-hmm. and then we parted, and we each explored the convention on our own, and then we reconvened at the end. Okay. So where do we start? Well, it was a very early morning that day. Yeah. <laughs> so just to just to kind of set this up for everyone, I'm assuming most of our listeners are aware of this, but for anyone who is not, New York Comic Con, the largest convention around, uh, took place at the beginning of October for four days in Manhattan at the Javits Center. Uh, shortly before the show, uh, Reed Pop announced anticipated attendance of 250,000 people. Now, we'll unpack that a little bit more later in the episode and talk about what that number really means. But it was a huge show, very busy, as it always is. Uh, and you and I just went for the one day. We went on Thursday, the first day of the convention. But before the convention itself, we attended this Diamond Retailer Breakfast. Now, again, I assume most people are familiar with this as well. We've talked about it on the show. But for anyone who is not familiar, Diamond Comics Distributor is the main comics distributor uh, around. Uh, It's not the only one. We often talk about it as a monopoly. There are some other smaller distributors. But basically, if you want single issues of DC or Marvel Comics, you have to go through Diamond. So Diamond, they're the big boys. And every year on the first day of Comic-Con, they host this retailer appreciation breakfast, right? Now, how many years have you attended that? I've lost count. I've, um... Let's see. Basically, uh, it's sponsored by miscellaneous publishers who decide that they want to help pay for it. They pay for the breakfast, which allows them to, after the breakfast, have a presentation in a a large room and a slideshow where they can preview for the retailers all the things that that they're planning to come up with in the next six months or a year. Uh, You know, major projects, crossovers and such like that. But... um, Usually it's it's DC, Dark Horse, um, IDW, Titan, um, Boom this year, I think. Boom this year, Valiant. And Valiant. Valiant's always there. And but, Marvel. Yeah, I thought that was unusual because Marvel tends not to uh, spend the money to, to do this. I think Marvel has their own private party on one of the other nights 
but uh, but this is just something that's they, they call it the diamond retailer appreciation breakfast and uh, all retailers uh, who have accounts with diamond are invited to come they, they're allowed to bring one other person with them um, and it's it's the same thing every year um, a long table with those powdered eggs. Well, yeah. Well, let's. <laughs> let's I want to. I want to. I want to get to that. But uh, just to back up for a second. So, uh, yes, you do get a plus one, and I appreciate that uh, you allowed me to tag along with you for all the years you've been going. I had never been to the retailer breakfast. I had heard you talk about it, of course. Uh, so I appreciate that I was able to go. Now, in order to have me as your plus one, you had to make me an authorized uh, alternate realities buyer, correct? Yes, you are now a buyer. I'm very to, honored by this. I had to submit the, the application in with the Diamonds Accounting people. Well, I appreciate you taking that step. I'm very honored. I was a little less honored when I realized that you did the same thing for Steve Ryan when he went with you, but that's fine. I don't think they required it. That, <laughs> oh, is this a new thing? Yeah, this is a new thing <laughs> because I think too many people um, take advantage of it. Mm. And they bring their, you know, their best buddy or their neighbor with them or something. Um, well, then because, I'm really honored because they, you know, this does allow us to have uh, a, a pass, free pass for the convention day itself. Yes, we get an industry pass, yeah. which was cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the breakfast started at seven thirty, correct? Right. right. Seven thirty breakfast. That's why we picked you. I picked you up at five thirty. Picked in the me morning. up at five thirty. I woke up. I set my alarm for four thirty. I was out of bed by four forty-five. That was a that was a great challenge for me, but I did it. I was excited, you know, and I knew you'd be there. I made it down to the lobby of the building at I want to say five thirty four. Your first words to me were, "You're late." Yes, I know, but I really tried. You know what it is? Is that um, not proper planning prevents poor performance, which is of course true. But uh, my experience has taught me that if we don't go early, we're not going to, we might not be able to get there on time. Um, and it's, Manhattan's only, what, roughly 40, 45 minutes away. But we're going to hit traffic, and then we have to park far away from the Javits Center, um, only because I'm cheap. And if you park near the Javits Center, it's going to cost you $40 for the day. And every block further away you get, it gets a little cheaper. So that we were in a place that used to be $20 for the day. Uh, this time, I guess they've raised their prices since it's been a year since I've been there. It's up to 25 this time. I mean, I got to say, it was only a few blocks away. I was anticipating more of a walk. It was really, it was fine. Uh, it's a, Well, you remember when I got there, I had to go to the bathroom. So yes. for me, that's a long walk to get yes, to Javits Center. You mentioned that a number of times. Yes. That well, you had to go I, I to the bathroom. To, I wanted you to not think that I'm kidding. Now, in terms of how long it takes to get to the city, you know, it depends on how fast you're driving. You are, as I've described in, in past episodes, a very conservative driver you drive the speed limit i believe in speed limits there's a reason for it i know but it's okay <laughs> you didn't go slower than the speed limit which i was kind of anticipating so i was it was fine we actually made we made great time i mean there was really no traffic getting to uh, was it 34th street where the javits center is right once we made that turn though a couple blocks over we ran into and again this was like 6 30 in the morning like we ran into a protest of some sort it looked like a construction crew was protesting and they yeah. had a lot of police cars around we lost a lot of time there we lost time there and then because there's no left turns at a lot of places in manhattan you have to make a right 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 to get to the direction you want to go and then when we got to the street that had the parking lot that i was planning to go to there was a long line to get into the lot yeah. not because there were a lot of cars waiting but uh for some reason there was some sort of jam up at the entrance and uh, maybe ticket wasn't spit spitting out it tested my patience a little. I mean, you were the one driving, but it stressed me out a little bit. I was actually very surprised. I thought you were claustrophobic or something. No. And I said, gee, you know, the, the, the protests sitting there in, in, in traffic that wasn't moving at all, and then sitting there waiting to get in the parking lot, you were a little antsy. You know what it is? I, 
because I feel like it's gotten worse for me in, in recent years, but I, I'm at a point now between the day job, the podcast, the documentary that I'm editing, all this stuff, I'm busier than I've ever been. And I think maybe I'm valuing my time more than ever. So anything that feels to me like a needless waste of time kind of bugs me. But it is what it is, and certainly driving in Manhattan and the, the week of Comic-Con, I mean, you kind of have to expect it. I just figured we were so early that we would be okay, but, you know, it's but, right. but again, I took into account the fact that even if you get to Manhattan, you're going to have a problem. Yes. So because of the early departure, we got there just about on time. Yeah. No, we did well. Again, yeah. we, we planned that well. Yeah. So we went in, we got our badges, we checked in. You saw your friend from Diamond, Nancy Romer. Mm-hmm. Just right. say hello, and then uh, ran into uh, Demetrius from Anyone Comics in Brooklyn. Right, fellow retailer. And um, we got you to the bathroom. Got the bathroom, which is great. Very clean when there's uh, it's the first part of the day. Where oh man, I got to tell you, there was real, and we'll get to this once we talk about you know the the show itself. It was nice being there early before yeah. the floodgates opened. Yeah. Then we uh, ran into uh, Neil from Magnum. Yes, this is a, another fellow retailer who you've spoken about to me for years. He owned, uh, yeah, Magnum Comics in Riverdale. In Riverdale. And he still operates uh, an eBay store, but the physical storefront has closed. Right, like many stores now. He has a character. I mean, to anyone listening to this, you, you might hear him on the show at some point in the future. I feel like he would be a, a worthwhile guest to have. Oh, he'd have a million stories. Yeah. And it, he'd he, be saying stuff. It's not as a joke, but it's just funny stuff. I mean, you were known for being verbose, and he out-talked you at that breakfast table. So that's saying something. <laughs> I just want to have my powder eggs. All right, let's talk about these eggs. I feel like, I mean, I don't, not to build them up too much, but I feel like you undersold the breakfast a little bit. It was solid. It was better than I was expecting. Oh, okay. To me, this is like what they serve at schools and prisons. So it's like, well, okay. It's, uh... Well, so, so they had scrambled eggs, mm-hmm. potatoes. They had a couple of breakfast meats. We had some bacon and sausage. I thought the meats were solid. The sausage is okay. I never had the bacon. Yeah, it was good. They had mini bagels. The mini bagels and funny muffins, muffins, I think. Yeah, yeah, I had a little bit of a bagel. It was okay. It was, you know, not, yeah, it's not okay. whatever. It was what it was. I like the coffee. I heard you were not a fan of the coffee. No, it's okay. I mean, there's nothing spectacular about it. I don't know. Rich, not, Ron, not... Rich Roney told me that you said it was it was watered down or something. It's not the greatest coffee in the world. <laughs> I don't know. It tasted good. And I drink my coffee pretty strong. So mm-hmm. if it had been, you know, weak, I feel like I would have noticed it. Okay. I don't know. I was, ple- I was pleased with the breakfast is what I'm trying to tell you here. I kept my expectations low and I'm never disappointed at that breakfast. Well, as did I. I mean, I listen. And I want to talk about how one of your Odoisms came into play in my own convention experience. And I really, I mean this sincerely. The lessons you taught me, I, they play out in my <laughs> daily life. So we're going to get to one of the other Odoisms. But uh, yes, I did keep my expectations low with that breakfast. Because again, I f- you didn't know what it would be and you really you know <laughs> you really made me lower my expectations but i was pleased no it, it's better than a mcdonald's breakfast um it's not as good as a, a breakfast at a diner but uh it's somewhere in between yeah so we sat down we had some breakfast neil was at the table i met matthew klein who um i actually don't know if he still works with forbidden planet but i know he at least did for a period and he he's at valiant now uh we'll get to him a little bit later because he was uh the one who did the valiant presentation during the uh the, the panel portion of the breakfast um but so i finally met him i had emailed with him so i ended up I, I never ended up featuring forbidden planet on the podcast or in the documentary we were never able to I basically, I never got a, a response from them, but he was the person I dealt with at Forbidden Planet. And he was very nice and he was responsive and we went back and forth, but basically he was trying to get the owners on board and for whatever reason, it just never materialized. Uh, but again, so he and I had this email correspondence. We were friends on Facebook, so I recognized him. Uh, and so so we spoke. When I introduced myself, I, I think he remembered who I was and I was like, hey, how's it going? The first thing he did, he was very proud of what he had with him. He slid across the table 
uh, it was in a padded envelope, a variant for their upcoming Bloodshot comic. It's Bloodshot, I think. Yeah, Bloodshot, yeah. Uh, with a very special cover. Yeah, I didn't take a look at it. He sh- you were looking at it, and I think you passed it to the guy on your right, but I never actually saw it or held it. So. Yes, a hand-cut glass cover. Mm-hmm. Which they, you know, they would go on to talk about that more at the presentation. But yeah, he was very proud about that. So breakfast was going on. You and fellow retailers talking about, um, I don't know, what were you guys talking about? There was, there's some talk of maybe some variants. There's talk of selling stuff on eBay. I know Neil was was discussing that. I think, uh, yeah, Neil has an eBay store and apparently he has a lot of items posted on there. I think the way eBay works is that anybody can put stuff up for sale and you get, I'll make up a number, a hundred free listings you still have to pay the final value fee if it sells but uh the listings depending on if you have it in bold print or extra photos or whatever it could run you a few pennies uh more than pennies um it could run you a lot of money if you if you don't do it correctly but i think for the first hundred roughly you get it for free and then if you want to hope have an ebay store um you pay i forget the dollar amount let's say thirty dollars a year or no thirty dollars a month so that you can have 500 free listings. And then you can pay 70-something dollars a month for 1,000 free listings. So Neil has like 4,000 items up, but he was only listed, he was only set up for 500 free listings. He didn't realize that he was paying listing fees for 2,500 items all these years. (laughs) So so he was spending hundreds hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands of dollars that he didn't need to spend. Um, so he finally, I guess, eBay contacted him and said, maybe you'd like to up your um, whatever status to a premier right. store, a premium store. And uh, so he did. So at least now he's got X number of listings free. Right. Um, and that's when you looked at me and said, uh, how are you doing? And I, I thought to myself, well, I probably only have the, the cheap one for 500 listings because it took me forever to get 500. I'm at 470 or something now. And I said, you know what? I'll, I better call eBay. And see if I can up my uh, my my uh, not status, but my right. position to uh, the premier store, and go for a thousand. And uh, and I guess this will amuse you. It turns out that I was already a premier store, paying seventy five dollars a month. There we go. I didn't even realize that okay. I was paying the extra fee for stuff that I hadn't even listed. <laughs> so so at least now, since I'm so close to that five hundred mark, I can just go willy nilly and, and go crazy. You just, and just go berserk. Yeah, just just start listing like crazy and not worry about you know having to pay extra fees and things after that five hundred mark. Mm. Was that what was holding you back before? Because you thought no, you had it's that just I'm very, I'm very slow at it oh. because I'm too de- too much detail. But um, but now it's like you know one of the things I I, I discovered at the Comic Con, which I guess we can get to later. I told you I talked to a toy hunter. Yes. And uh, discovered that maybe I should not be so particular. I should just start posting this stuff like crazy at, at very cheap prices. So, you know, this is going to sound like I'm exaggerating for humorous effect, but I'm really not. It's like if you're selling old TV guides, I mean, you, you'll explain what was on a certain night and a certain time, right? Like if it was an episode you no, liked. No, not not. Yeah, you're pretty specific. Uh, no, with the TV guide, I'll say what the articles are and what the pictorial might be, you know, the... The, the Beverly Hills pool of uh, Barbara Eden or something. Um, I'll say that the um, the review of some TV show by Cleveland Amory, I think that was his name, uh, is, is about the Beverly Hillbillies or something. So that people who are after certain things, you know, Marcus Welby cover or whatever, they they are, you know, they, they don't want every TV guide ever printed. They just want the one of the characters they want. So that's why I try to put a little bit more detail and a lot of photographs so they know what they're getting. And because um, I don't want to deal with returns. I know. 
So there was that bit of shop talk at the at the round table during the breakfast period. We saw Mark Hammond from All Yeah Comics. Mm-hmm. He's been on the show before. I have to say, you know, given how many retailers I've met now through my travels, I was anticipating that I would see some more familiar faces at the breakfast. But other than Mark, there really wasn't anyone uh, I knew at the breakfast. Well, there used to be some. I mean, there still are a lot of retailers, and I don't know a, a, a fraction of them. But I think my observation when we first entered, uh, I, I keep mentioning this table with all the food out. In past breakfasts, there were always two long, large tables of food set up. And you had dealers on both sides of each table filling their plates. Uh, when you turn the corner, this large open area used to be filled with those big round tables and seating eight, eight or ten or whatever each. And uh, the place was packed. What happened this time, my, the first observation was that there was only one long table of food. And then when we turned the corner, maybe half the space had the round tables. So either a lot of retailers decided not to come or a lot of retailers don't exist anymore. One of the guys that I was expecting to see, I can't remember his name, Robert something from Jersey. He was always, he was at everything that I've ever attended for Diamond and he wasn't there. So that's a sign. I know he closed his store, but he was again, like some of the others just working out of a warehouse or doing mail order or something like that, or he had his handful of reservists that he would order for. But uh, I have a funny feeling it's it's just an observation. Right. Interesting. One last note on the food. You gave me a hard time for having breakfast at home before I left. We were invited to a retailer breakfast and you eat before we go. That's like saying, well, I'll have dinner before we go out to dinner. Now, listen, a couple of things. First of all, I'm hungry man. I need to. I need to fuel up always. Second, we're gearing up for a comic convention. You, you, you gotta have. You gotta have fuel. Okay. Third, and going back to what we were discussing before, you, you told me how bad the breakfast was, so I didn't know how much of it I'd even eat. I guess again, my experience is that if you if you fuel up too much and have too big a breakfast at the free retailer breakfast, maybe halfway through the convention you'll feel like you have to go to the bathroom, and you really don't want to be using the stalls. Right. <laughs> Oh, that's just furthers that so, I was justified. Well, that's why that's why uh, you, you don't fill up. You go in an empty stomach, have a couple of candy bars for a little extra energy, and then uh, <laughs> you you subscribe to the Drew Cheskin school of thought. When you know he was what? on the show. We did a, a survival guide episode, and his his tip was: you bring one of those king size Snicker bars, you pound that during the show, and that'll fuel you the rest of the way. Yeah, because like not not to knock IHOP, but honestly, every time you go to IHOP or go to the diner and have pancakes. You leave there feeling that it just sits in your stomach and you got to go to the bathroom. And that's the last thing you want when you know you got to walk 25 miles through the Javits Center to look at all the boot, uh, all the stalls. Yeah. That's all. Just a little advice, but who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's something it, different for everybody. Yeah, no. I mean, it all worked out. It, I didn't have any bathroom issues, thankfully, so everything was fine. Okay. <laughs> so we had our breakfast, and then we went into one of the panel rooms. So set up just like uh, a panel you would attend during the regular convention. You know, oh. there's a, the stage, tables, chairs, microphones. I've never been to a panel. At a never been to a panel. Interesting. I, I have absolutely no interest in listening to somebody talk. Okay. I mean, it's like, what are they going to, they're going to say the same thing that they say to us at these retailer conferences, right? So we're going to be doing this. And you know, sometimes there are really interesting, insightful panels on comics retailing. You might enjoy something like that. I go to the, I used to go to those diamond seminars, the one in Vegas, the one in Baltimore, you know, all the different classes they give. But the thing is. 
it's the same thing every every year. Whatever what is it? Every six months, I guess. But sometimes you'll have a host who is able to kind of you know zero in on on maybe something that hasn't been discussed and find a new angle. That's interesting that you think that. I mean, that, you know, that's like it's I'm nice. talking about the panel I hosted at C two E two. I'm just thinking about all those things about how to do this, how to do that to run a comic book store. And I remember looking at a guy next to me who I didn't even know. I said, if none of these people know how to do that now, they shouldn't even be in this business. Mm, fair to point. me, it was like such common sense stuff on how to run a comic book shop. Um, some of the interesting things, of course, when Diamond had their new, um, I forget what that program is for the retail, the uh, cash register and the... Oh, Comic Suite? Yeah, Comic Suite. Uh, you know, that, that was like very interesting to hear, but it was so expensive. It's like, well, how many of these people can afford to do it? And then I thought to myself, well, the fact that, well, I think that's another uh, a way to measure this stuff. The people that can close their store for the day and come or for a couple of days or travel to different parts of the country to go to these retailer conferences, their stores must be doing well enough and they must have enough cash to pay for airline and, and hotel and all True. this other stuff. So they're doing okay. So I looked at, I used to look at those in the, the numbers and think to myself, this is a fraction of the stores that exist. So most of them can't afford to do right. this. Um, I think the, the fact that uh, there were roughly half of the attendees this time kind of tells you something also. Yeah, no, like I said, that really is interesting. I mean, again, I don't have anything to compare it to. This was the only year I went to the breakfast, but the fact that you, you noticed a decline is telling. Well, you saw all those empty seats in that big room. Yes, there were a lot of empty seats, a lot of unclaimed freebies. So again, I know, so you don't attend panels, but for any of our listeners who do, that's the, that's the way the, the, the room was set up. So you go and it looks like a typical panel room on uh, all of the seats of the chairs. There were, uh, there was a stack of retailer exclusive variants from all of the publishers that hosted the breakfast. Yeah. Some of the minor, those are the minor ones. Yeah. You know, the little ash cans and uh, right. a variant cover here or there that says actually is stamped near Comic-Con retailer exclusive i must admit there was nothing that i was particularly excited about although we did have one of our former alternate realities customers who requested one of the exclusives so might have been able to grab a copy for him oh 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 <laughs> okay but uh yeah again it, you know it was what it was so you know we took our seats and then diamond and then each of the publishers who were you know were the sponsors of the event they got up one at a time and gave a presentation to the audience I have to tell you, it was dull as dirt. <laughs> I said to you, this is where I fall asleep. Wake me when it's over. It was boring. I mean, and I have to say, you know, again, you had described it to me. And I, so I kind of had a sense going in of what it would be like. I wasn't expecting anything terribly exciting, but it, it was dull. It was really dull. It was, well, I mean, do you want to describe like what, what each... Um, each well, rep it, would do when they got up there? It's pretty much a standard form of they have a slideshow set up on, on the computer and um, they'll say, you know, they'll just click through these things and then this year we're going to do this and it's going to be drawn by, written by so-and-so, drawn by so-and-so and let's click on the next picture and we're going to be having this and that and it's like, oh God, it, it's torture. And, um, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's, it's, it, it really depends on the pr presenter. Because um, that guy from Titan, man, he killed it. I liked that guy. That from guy Titan. had life. He had yeah. some signs of life. He actually yeah. seemed like he was enjoying himself. I mean, Titan might not be a big name publisher here. It's a British publisher. Um, but this guy comes all the way from England and he's always entertaining. Uh, in the past, he would always tell stories about how he got into comics, how his grandfather you know, would uh, give him his first book and all this kind of stuff. And uh, 
Yeah, he's he's uh, and he's always very nice and grateful. He seems, you know, okay, he's, he's very happy to be. He really is happy to be there. And he's he seems happy genuine. To talk yeah, everybody else is like, okay, we're going to be doing this, and oh, we're going to have this fancy cover and blah. Um, and really, they, they all the all the others put me to sleep. I'll tell you, years ago, Bob Wayne from DC was also very entertaining, and uh, everybody loved Bob Wayne. Um, he would come up, and it's, there'd be lots of cheering. And he would do go through his things, and it's almost like he didn't take it seriously. So he knew that, you know, this is what it is, and uh, we'll have a good time with it. Um, I think the Marvel guy, who has been around a long time, as I think I mentioned, that he looks a lot older than he did the first time I saw him a dec- uh. decade or so ago. Um, I think he gets a lot of grief from the retailers. So uh, I think he was just happy to do his presentation and then get out of there without fruit being thrown at him yeah well it's and he was anticipating a cameo appearance by writer donny cates that did not come to pass i don't even know who the guy is i know (laughs) i know you don't (laughs) but yeah he was teasing that and unfortunately that that didn't happen but yeah i mean so for anyone who's attended a, a panel you know a dc or marvel panel where they're you know hyping their upcoming projects it was very similar to that except often at those panels you'll have creators on the stage as well right so the moderator will say this is what's coming up and then the writer of what they're talking about will give like a, a little snippet about you know their creative process or what fans can look forward to things like that so it was sort of like the the fan aspect was more removed it was just it was more technical almost like this is this is what's coming out when it's coming out this is who the covers by with some exceptions like again the titan presenter was was very animated and very passionate one thing that struck me Again, I don't know that I was necessarily expecting anything different, but um, I I was struck by the fact that there was really no, there were no scoops, like there was no inside information given to retailers. It was basically everything that they were talking about were things that were already announced. Yeah, but retailers can't be trusted. Well, I know, there is that. But I guess, you know, one instance that really stuck out was during the DC presentation, they put up the uh, promo art for the new Young Justice series. But of course, they didn't identify what it was you just saw the art there was mm-hmm. no title there was no other information and they were like stay tuned there later. silhouettes yeah no no that was a different one i oh, think okay. that was guardians or something okay. the young justice one you actually saw the characters but there was no information and they were just like stay tuned for an announcement later today mm-hmm. and then sure enough later in the day at one of the dc panels during the the regular show they announced that brian michael bendis was bringing back the young justice series with the original characters as part of a new imprint that he's curating featuring DC's younger characters. So again, there was like this hint that something was coming, but they really weren't giving you any, any inside information or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I did notice also that, uh, so again, we've been describing what the majority of the presentations were like, but there were a couple and I'm thinking specifically of valiant and boom that were more retailer, Focus. Did you notice that as well? They talked more about their returnability programs and their partnership with retailers. I mean, did you were you getting that sense that it was more retailer geared? I, I suppose it wasn't new to me. I mean, it's the same speech you hear every year. I mean, do you? What is your take on something like that? Like, do you feel that it's when they talk about retailers as their partners? I mean, do you feel that that's genuine, or do you feel like that's just empty rhetoric? <sighs> Not to get political, <laughs> but. Speak your mind, man. It, it, it reminds me a lot of like when a Republican says, I'm really for this, and they're really not, but it keeps the Democrats buzzing about, gee, maybe, uh, well, this last one with Kavanaugh, you know, it's like, gee. Oh, you really are getting political. Yeah, right? it, it, is, is Collins going to like, you know, turn on her party? 
or is uh, Jeff Flake going to stand up for uh, for women? And in the end, they all vote for the party line anyway. So it's all a bunch of crap. Um, same thing with the comic book thing. You know, it's uh, publish. What are the publishers going to say? You know, they're all going to stand up there and say thank you. We had a great year. It's all thanks to you. And uh, but it's like anything else. You figure behind closed doors, they're saying, "Jesus, I hate those retailers." Yeah, and I have to say, I mean, I found, you know, we talked about the Titan rep, and, and he did seem more genuine, you know, at the Valiant presentation and, and Boom, you know, those two in particular, they were, they did talk more about the retailers. How did they come across to you? Well, I mean, let's face it, they're not, you ever watch the Academy Awards or the Emmys? Oh, I sure do. You know how the present, the presenters come up? And they have this little... Their little two, banter. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's what it was like to me. It's okay. Like, it's like these, they, they, they haven't practiced their lines. Um, it's like they might even hate each other, you know? And, and it's just, it's like, I'll just read my line, make this little joke that's terrible, and then we'll say, and the award goes to. And that's what it felt like to me. Um, you know, I think the Valiant guy, the fellow you, you were talking about with his glass uh, cover. Yes. You know, he was a little bit more... Let's have fun. But the, I think the jokes kind of fell flat. Um, I mean, these aren't, these aren't guys, these guys aren't comedians. They're not supposed to be entertainers. So, right. I, you know, I give them that. But, I mean, for me to sit there and say, boy, that, that person looks like a vampire. And that's what my mind is, is thinking about while, while they're talking. It's not, it doesn't make for a good presentation. But again, my situation is different. I don't really care what they're doing because I'm not going to order any of this stuff since right. we don't have the store anymore. Right. You know, for the others who are like, especially the the uh, a guy who's new, he just opened his store last year or something. He's, he's thinking, "Wow, this is going to be great." That's true. I'm going to order a hundred thousand copies. Right. So your your you needs, know. what you're looking to get yeah. out of this, is vastly different. Actually, kind of on that note, I I should ask you this: since you don't have the store anymore, you, your diamond account is still active. Mm-hmm. You don't have the store anymore. Why do you continue to go to the retailer breakfast? A free admission to the New York Comic Con. There you go. <laughs> well, I know. I just wanted. To, <laughs> I just wanted to lay that out there. Yeah. But again, like I've said many years, like this is going to be my last one. I want to. I want to circle back to that notion because uh, that was something that you said a number of times, and we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit. But uh, so that was that was pretty much how the the presentations went. So you know, for anyone who's ever been curious about what goes on behind the closed doors of the Diamond Retailer Breakfast, that's it. It's it's not terribly <laughs> exciting. It was the the audience was pretty tame. You know, and there weren't, there was no opportunity for questions. Yeah, they don't do a question and answer. It's not like, in, again, the the, uh, the retailer seminars are a different thing. Right. Where uh, people stand up, come up to a microphone that's set up for the audience at like three different positions because there are 500 people there. And at, during and, Diamond's presentation, they one of the things they discussed was their upcoming retailer summit in Vegas. Vegas, yeah. So they have that coming up. Mm-hmm. What were the other stuff that Diamond talked about? They they were talking about Halloween Fest, which is coming up at the end of the month, and some well, of the promotional they, items that they, retailers can order. They always have that little thing about, you know, such and such store was voted best store display, best whatever, you know, and everybody just is half-hearted applause. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I never heard of these guys, you know, some store in Nova Scotia or something like that. It's okay. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, good for them. Um I, th- I honestly, I think most of the guys there are not really interested so much in what's coming out, but in getting the freebies, the promotional. One of the one of the things. Um, what was unusual about this one was that they had some of these things sitting on the chairs when you walked into the room. Right, that stack of exclusives. Yeah, but those are like really nothing exclusives. Um, what everybody's waiting for, and what they don't give to you until you until the presentation's over, because otherwise people just grab it and leave and listen to the presentations. 
they uh, after the presentation is over, lights come on, and then they're supposed to get online to go you know, one by one as Diamond's people hand out a, a little, not a little, a bag filled with a, like a a major variant from DC or a major variant from so and so companies. Um, you didn't look at the bag when you got it, right? I gave it right to you, my friend. You know, the one, only thing I kept was the DC shirt. Right. The DC, yeah, the DC shirt was a nice Which thing. I like. It was nice. It was actually a nice shirt. The quality was, was good. It was a nice soft shirt. I sold mine. Good man. Yeah, I sold it for 20 bucks to help cover the cost of parking. Yeah. Well, so that's... Right. So you get these free... But did, did you keep anything or you're planning to unload everything? No, I'm unloading everything. One of them was the Batman 50, but the black and white ink cover, Batman facing Catwoman. Oh, okay. Um, people are selling that thing for... Gee, upwards of $100, maybe $200. I don't remember. I was looking on eBay right away. Um, I put the whole package together, everything, for 300 figuring somebody might offer me 200 But uh, people don't have money. Hmm. You know, maybe I'm better off breaking it down and saying, well, here, you can have this one for 10 bucks, 20 bucks, or whatever. And, maybe. And making $100, $200 that way. But, um, but yeah, I sold the shirt right away. Um, you know, it's, I'm not going to wear a Batman shirt. So... <laughs> He's I'm, your favorite character. I'm 62 years old. <laughs> I'm not going to wear a Batman shirt. Uh, Fair enough. I have to say, you know, you mentioned about the uh, the audience members not being, you know, terribly interested or excited. I don't know if you noticed, but the guy behind us, behind me specifically, took a photo of every slide that was projected onto the screen, but he did not have his phone on silent. So I got to hear that camera click sound every single time. Mm. And at one point I even turned around and I said, excuse me, would you mind putting your phone on silent? But he was so enamored with whoever was speaking at the moment. He like, he just, I didn't even register. Well, I guess he had a good time. I mean, you know, maybe he was doing it for his own website or something yeah. like that to say this just is. Just put your phone on silent. Yeah. That's well, it'll still click, won't it? If it's on silent? No. Oh, okay. See, I don't know that kind of yeah. stuff. Anyway. But, uh, I mean, I just took a few pictures just to say, well, I'll put this on Facebook, but then I didn't even bother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I took a photo uh, just at the very beginning just for promotional purposes to show mm -hmm. I was there. I took a photo of you getting those powdered eggs. That's going to... Oh, yeah? Gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a little sly sometimes, but yeah, snapping okay. away. Uh-huh. Took a few photos. We took a photo uh, in front of the stage as we were waiting online to right. leave and get our freebies. Neil took a photo of us. See, the things that I notice about the show, stuff like this, those retailer things are... Um, you know how they said, well, we're going to try, well, the, the first row will stand up and come get their stuff, and then the next <laughs> row, I'm going to do it in order? Yeah. And the second lights went on, it was like a mess. It was like, a, not a riot, but it, it, was a, it was controlled chaos. People didn't want to wait. Yeah. And, and that's like, you know, when, when they first announced the, that first, let's get online, I thought, oh, <laughs> who came up with this idea? It's not going to. It's not going to fly. Yeah, it went pretty much the way you would expect. Yeah, all of a sudden we're all online and we're all getting it one at a time. And um, and then it's back to the bathroom. <laughs> and that was it. That's true. So that was the retailer breakfast. Was there anything else about that portion of the day in particular that, that you wanted to talk about? No, anything else it, that you think it, listeners would be interested to know? I feel like we kind of hit all the bases. Yeah, like I said, I, I think, it, you know, I'm, I'm surprised we're doing a podcast about it. Because to me, it was pretty much the boring part of the day. Yeah, but I think we, we discussed the boring part in an entertaining way for our I listeners. I hope so. <laughs> you know, this, this convention was interesting for me because it it's the first one in a while that I've attended with no real purpose other than we're going to go and then we're going to talk about our day on the podcast. So it's like I was going 
figuring that, okay, like, you know, whatever experiences I have, that'll be the basis of this episode. But I didn't go with any other purpose. So, for example, a couple of years ago, I went back to San Diego Comic-Con. I reported for Bleeding Cool. That was my purpose. Last year at New York Comic-Con, Steph and I cosplayed. That was a way different experience. Garden State Comic Fest over the summer. I went. I did some filming for my comic shop, Country. C2E2 back in April. I went. I hosted that retailer panel. So this was the first time in a while that I went with, like, no purpose other than I'm going to walk around, see who I see, and then we're going to talk about it. And it was interesting. I ended up giving myself a couple of missions just for something to do. You know, the funny thing is, it reminds me of when we first got to the parking lot and the attendant asked, what time are you leaving? And I said, 530 the look on your face, not that I was hor- horrified, but the look on your face is like, I can't believe we're going to pl- be here the whole day. Because I guess you thought, I, I didn't realize this, my impression was then that you believed that we would have the breakfast, finish at 10, maybe walk around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock and get out of there. I, no, I wasn't thinking that early. <laughs> I figured mid-af- mid-afternoon was kind of what I figured. I knew... But again, though, and we ended up leaving, what, like 3, 3.30 yeah, or so? earlier than normal, but I figured let's beat some of that traffic. And the other thing was that I was tired and I had already said goodbye to everybody. Yes. And I said, I didn't, I said, if you wanted to stay, I would have stayed. I just wanted to let you know I was done and well, I knew I would be done by well, that time. Well, the great irony, of course, is that, you know, my thinking was, well, we'll go to, I, this is the only convention I go to all year. So I may as well go and walk around and take, take my time because I wasn't in any kind of pressure. So, um. I, I walked around, walked when we first got in, walked around, walked around, and I said, geez, I'm tired. And I look at my watch, and it's 11 o'clock. And I'm thinking to myself, son of a gun, I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, I, so, you know, once we went in, you know, we left the retailer breakfast, and, you know, we entered the, the main show floor. This was, we again, one of, one of the other added benefits of going to the retailer breakfast, we got to go into the show. Not that long before the doors opened, but a little bit. So at least we had some time before the place really got full where we could kind of walk around freely, which was nice. Did it open to the public at 11? Is that what 10. it was? Oh, 10. was 10. What time did we go in there? It was just like a few minutes before 10. Yeah. But you got to figure by the time everyone made their way in and started to fill the place up, mm-hmm. like there was there was still time before yeah. it actually got full. Because I, I didn't feel very crowded at all when I was walking around. Right. And it was only... Um, Maybe about noon, I started thinking there are a lot of people here. I agree. I would say between the first and second hour, like that was when I started to feel like, okay, like this place is full now. But uh, yeah, so you and I parted once we went inside and I did run into you maybe about an hour later. We just crossed paths and that was what you said to me. You're like, I might be done (laughs) earlier than I thought. So, I mean, this is is the thing, right? And and this kind of gets at sort of this entire season of the podcast. I feel like it was, because I've talked about my feelings towards comic conventions on the show before. So it was kind of an odd topic to pick for the season like are we going to explore comic cons the only thing i could come up with is that i i enjoy like i'm more interested in the running of a convention i'm and i'm more interested in the roles that different people play in a convention than i i'm more interested in those things than i actually enjoy attending a convention myself if that makes sense especially when i'm attending with no real purpose like if i'm there to do something that's cool and i feel like i'm getting something out of it and i like it but to just go and walk around especially at a show that that's that crowded it doesn't really light my fire well you're not much of a collector anymore no right though i had my moment at the show which i'll get into oh, okay. but yeah because you know it, it, it used to be that um you know, I dealt with this so much that I'd seen it all. And I can still go up to a, a wall of old comic books and appreciate what they were or what they are. But at the same time, I, I, I think to myself, well, I used to own this and that and this and that, and I never wanted this one and then didn't care about that one. But, um, but 
now I look at it and say, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to buy it again. You know, what am I going to, it's like, I may actually have it already. And, um, so it, it got to the point where, you know, after we closed the store and I started looking at conventions, I had, I was enjoying myself because I could look at all the things and appreciate all the new toys and things. But now I look at it and say, thank God we don't have a store because all that stuff that I'd have to order and it would cost a fortune on the hopes that it would sell. And I'm thinking to myself, how do stores stay in business doing this? It's like, even if we had a store that was nothing but Batman, Batman, like, remember Rich Roney used to say, if he had a store, it would just be Captain America and Green Lantern and nothing else in that store. That's right. But you could literally have a store that's just Batman, call it the Bat Cave, I suppose. I'm sure there's a store out there that call that. Well, Cave Comics in Connecticut. Yeah, and it just have it look like the Bat Cave, have a Batmobile in the middle of the store, and sell nothing but Batman items, from T-shirts to action figures to stand-ups to statues. You could fill a store with nothing but the one character and, you know, the offshoots, Robin and Catwoman, Harley Quinn. But um, it's there's just so much out there, and it's overwhelming. At one point, I was at one table of uh, Japanese animated figures, and it was a time that I would look and say, oh, gee, I like this figure. But now that I look at it, I mean, part of it is my glasses are the wrong prescription, so I can't see what I'm looking at, and everything's a blur. So in a way, that's good, because now I can't see it. It's like I want to bother trying to figure out who's who. You just have to sense what's there. Right? And I, I, just, I, spent, I spent no money at this show. Really? Zero. Um, Actually, I knew that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you don't say. But I spent no money at last year's show. That was a little different, though, because the first tape I went to, there was that, the guy had that fantasy, Amazing Fantasy 15 signed by Stan Lee. And I forget how much it was. Um, but it was a lot of money. So as I went through the whole show, I said, well, I, don't, I can't spend $200 here, or $300 here, or $50 there if I'm going to have to spend this ridiculous amount of money at the end of the show to buy this guy's book. So I went through the whole show, seeing things I liked, and said, oh, I can live without it. Went At the end of the show, went to the guy, looked at the book, and I said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to buy it. <laughs> so I ended up saving all that money. Um, same thing happened. Well, this, you know, this time, it's like uh, I wasn't planning on buying anything, and I didn't... I looked at some stuff and I said, well, gee, do I really need another refrigerator magnet with a picture of Avengers 4? I was like, no. Do I need, do I really need to have a Batman? It's as nice as it looked. You know, do I need this statue? I was like, well, well I think the closest I came was J. Scott Campbell's table. He had his new hardcover sketchbooks and his softcover sketchbooks. And these things are, aren't cheap, like $30, $40 a piece. But there was a time, I'll say five, ten years ago, where I would have said, I'll take one of each. The next thing you know, I spent $200, $250 for all these books that I would put in my bag at the end of the day, come home, take them out of the bag. It would be in a pile on the living room table for six months before I finally put them away. But I will never have even glanced through them. And I said, you know, the same thing's going to happen. I'm going to buy all this stuff, just put it away, and that's it. So it's like, why do I need to do that? So mm -hmm. I actually spent no money, and I felt actually pretty good about it. I think I was disappointed that I couldn't buy the Mountain Dew at the end. That, oh, yeah. yeah. What happened with that? You wanted a Mountain Dew, but... I, traditionally, when I drive home from the New York Comic Con down the West Side, uh, West Side Highway, I um, buy a Mountain Dew, and I sip on... Because it's like, it's bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. So I have a Mountain Dew with me for the ride home. And uh, I went to the Dunkin' Donuts on the corner near the parking lot, and they had everything, Diet Mountain Dew, but they had everything but Mountain Dew. And I took that as a sign. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, well, I'm disappointed that you were you were denied that Mountain Dew. You didn't eat anything else after that breakfast, did you? No, I brought again. I, I brought a couple of Snickers, mini Snickers bars. 
I brought uh, some Japanese um, pastries. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. I, so, I didn't have anything. So, yeah, so, I, you know, because I knew we were going to skip lunch. But once again, well, I told you, I was like, I brought a sandwich. And again, you were like so surprised. It's like, why wouldn't I bring a sandwich? <laughs> was I surprised? I don't know. I, I think if you brought... You did. You were like, no. you brought a sandwich? <laughs> if you brought snacks, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I brought a protein bar. I brought a, yeah, okay. a turkey jerky stick. And I okay. brought a sandwich. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, it's like well, I, I've, I've got a... A uh, hot roast beef sandwich in my 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 bag. It's like, well, what? <laughs> Who does that? Yeah, I was carrying around my panini press. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, people bring snacks. They don't bring like meals. It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's a sandwich. I don't know, <laughs> burger, fries, and a side of uh, whatever. You I, know? And like, I needed it though. It was. I mean, it was a lot of walking. And I mean, like, it's again, always a lot of walking. And I exercise, but I was tired, man. I was, my legs were sore. Really? Yeah. Oh, then you're exercising your arms, but you're not exercising your legs. No, I do legs. Actually, that might have been part of the problem because I had a pretty hardcore leg workout <laughs> a couple of days before and I was still a little bit sore. Mm-hmm. So I think that might have compounded the issue. But uh, so you ended up not buying anything. Did you have, because again, like this, this was the part of the day where we were separate. I mean, we crossed paths the once, but other than that, like we were just exploring on our own. And so I'm just curious, did you have any goals going into the show in terms of anything you wanted to buy or people you wanted to see or items you just wanted to see? Like any goals going in? Um, no. Well, I mean, there are the handful that I want to see and that's about it. You know, I, I, look at, I look at the walls now of all the comic books and original art and the price is so high that it's, it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm never going to spend that kind of money on this stuff. And again, it's because of my, my time. You know, I bought... I bought original art sketches when they were like five to ten dollars, five dollars for a head, ten dollars for a full body. Yeah. The expensive guy was twenty-five dollars, and the ridiculous guy was fifty. Neil Adams. So um, he had quite the installation there. Yeah. In the, I mean, on, you know, let's face it. I mean, for for him, he's drawing money. You know, now you want a sketch by Adams? I don't know what is it, two hundred fifty dollars? It looks know. like crap. So, um, you know, again, you, you used to buy your pages, published pages for sixty dollars, and. Um, those same pages are, I don't even know anymore, $5,000, $10,000 each. Well, it de- I mean, it depends. Well, John Byrne X-Men pages or something like that. Sure. You know, it's um, Alex Ross. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, those. Yeah, you know, those things are crazy. Those are in a whole other You know, I'm, but I'm looking at other stuff that's like, oh, yeah, I remember this cover from Justice League in the 70s, and it's like $2,000, $3,000. And it's not that good. So, um, so that's why I'll never buy that. I'll never buy these comic books again. When I'm looking at a book that I bought for 12 cents that... Uh, it's in terrible shape and it's a hundred dollars. Right. So I said, eh, you know what? So you, you just walked the main, I went to talk to, floor. I went to talk to heritage and I went to talk to, uh, Nancy at, right, Diamond, at the diamond booth and, uh, Joe Verinolt of JHV associates investments. Uh, I've known Joe Verinolt for decades. You know, when I was just a nobody buying comic books, he was the dealer that always had great stuff at a decent price. And, um, you know, he's one of, again, I, <laughs> I describe Joe as one of the few people I trust in this industry, retailers, because a lot of them are not that great. Yeah, no, I know. You know that's very it's, all, high, it's all business. It's all business. Grade. It's all business for everybody. I understand that too. But at the same time, it's like, I told Joe, Joe and I are the same age. I said years ago, uh, my family knows that when I die, they're supposed to contact you to sell my stuff. And Joe's response to that was, we're the same age. If you're dead, I'll be too old to care. <laughs> Uh, years ago, actually, I introduced Anne to uh, Joe Verinolt. Your I, wife? Yeah, and I and I said, uh, you know, and I said uh, he's like the only person I trust in this in this uh, business. And Joe said, "That's like saying this is miscongeniality. 
at a pirate convention. <laughs> so, uh, but he's a, he's a good fella. I mean, uh, again, my, my goodbye was, uh, I know, you know, realistically, I've seen a lot of death in the past 10 years. And I know that uh, there are a lot of people who are younger than us who are, who are dying. So at this point, it's like, you know what, I got to start seriously taking care of things that need to be taken care of. And I realized that there are situations where I'm not going to see these people ever again. So uh, since this is going to be my last show, oh, I at least wanted to let Joe know how how how, uh, respect, how much respect I had for him. On this note of saying goodbye, though, you mentioned earlier that you know, you've been saying for a little while now, each time you go, that it's going to be your last one. I mean, how likely is it that this truly was your final New York Comic Con? Um, it's pretty likely because at this point, you know, with, with Diamond, my... I keep the account open, but I have to order stuff every month. Um, I'm finding it more and more difficult to come up with the minimum I need to order. Uh, last month and this month has actually been pretty tough. Uh, at this point, my son doesn't want the big Godzilla. So, you know, suddenly it's like an extra $100, $200 I'm not spending that month. Actually, a really quick side note here, but uh, one of our patrons, one of, uh, one of our uh, Flat Squirrel VIP patrons on the My Comic Shop History Patreon page, uh, he wanted to know what your thoughts were on the trailer uh, for the new Godzilla movie, King of the Monsters, I think it's called. Have you seen it? Uh, I think I have. That's Fat Godzilla. Okay. Right? It's the, it's the American one. Yes. <laughs> it's Fat Godzilla. <laughs> That's all I... <laughs> My son and I went to see it and it's like, oh. <laughs> That's all I could think about. It's ridiculous. But, you know, it's better than nothing. Yeah. But, all right, but so, so you're not even ordering the Godzilla stuff. Well, I show it to him. I said, "Do you want this?" And I, you know, I used to buy this stuff, and I'd show it to him, and he'd say, "Thanks, Dad. You don't have to do this for me anymore." So I said, "No, no, no. We'll keep getting it. Well, I can still get this at wholesale." But now, like you know, the garage is full. The warehouse is starting to overflow with this stuff, and so it's like he doesn't want it. And I figure what at this, at this point, instead of spending hundreds of dollars on this stuff every month, I may as well just say, "Well, he'll he he won't sell it until he decides it's time to sell it." But most times, like everything else that we buy, it's like in a box and it gets stuffed in the garage or a corner. And right. Again, that's why I don't buy the books and I don't buy a statue. Every statue I have has never been displayed except for the one that I think Anne knocked over. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so you're finding it harder to hit that minimum. So you think there will come a point sooner rather than later where you just close the account? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I still order stuff for Oleg, who, who still loves his Star, his Star Wars statues. But at the same time, Oleg's not a young guy anymore. And... Yeah, one of our uh, alternate realities regulars, massive yeah. Star Wars fan. Yeah, you know, there's going to be a, a certain point now that he's retired. It's like, well, well what, what's he going to keep going for at this point? And then so if you close the account, and obviously then you're not getting in to New York Comic Con through the Diamond Retailer Breakfast, you think that would be it for you yeah, as far I mean, as attending? I, 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 hate to, I hate jumping through hoops. So this whole thing of trying to get tickets uh, online or paying uh, such a premium that you know, it, it makes no sense to me. Fair enough. So I can live without it. And, then, you know, I can still go to some of, some of the smaller shows, I suppose. Um, well, you know, on the one hand, part of me feels that you will continue to go, but at the same time. Ah, you thought I wasn't going to close the store. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that. So, yeah, you know what? This might have been your last New York yeah. Comic Con. If it, yeah. if it ends up being your final New York Comic Con, did you say everything you needed to say to the people you needed to say it to? Yes. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really, I want to say goodbye to Joe, because again, I only see Joe once a year at the New York Comic Con, and we chat a little bit, and I really don't buy books from him anymore. You know, I spend a lot of stuff. I bought some of the best books from him, um, but uh, 
you know, we're both at that point in our lives. It's like, you know, this is what the real world is like. It's like, we're lucky to be where we are now. And, um, you know, again, if you see one more year, that's pretty good. But if you see 10 years, that'd be fantastic. 20 is a bonus. Um, said goodbye to Nancy Romer, who we all adore. Your diamond rep. Well, she's head of all the diamond reps. Okay. She's actually pretty high up. In the, was she yeah. your individual one for a, for a period or no, or no? No, no, she was okay. No, she was in charge of the Plattsburgh warehouse, Plattsburgh, New York, upstate, which is okay. nothing up there. But, um, but then she, uh, moved down to, uh, Baltimore and, uh, you know, worked her way up and she's actually big. She's a big deal with diamond. But I got to chat with her. Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves Nancy. <laughs> you can't help it. You know, she's great. Um, but, you know, so we chatted for a little bit and said goodbye to her. And, you know, she knows I've said for the last three years, this is my last New York Comic Con. Right. But I, I think she understands that this is probably it. Um, and uh, who else did I talk to? Oh, I talked to Ben. Yep, Ben Zap. from Zap. Yep. You know, not to say goodbye to Ben, but to help uh, Jay with moving some of that those right, Jay Mizell, one of our other AR community members. Yeah, uh, yeah that, Ben was actually my first stop when we walked uh, onto the floor. Now, once the doors open and we we reached that main floor, you had a very specific plan of attack. You needed to start in that corner. You start in the corner, you go up and down, up and yeah. down, up and down. Look at both I sides. saw that yellow and red zap sign, and I made a beeline for it. Do you remember? I know Rich is probably Rich Roney's probably told you this story before, but the very t- first time that we went to a comic convention with with Rich. We walk in the door. This is like New York Sheridan or something like that on Seventh Avenue. We walk in the door. It's gigantic, not not like gigantic today's gigantic, but it was very big at the time. We walked in. I said to Rich, "Don't spend all your money at the first table." And what Rich Roney hears is, "Spend all your money at the first table." So of course he goes to that first table, goes through all the boxes, pulls out the books, buys the books, and then he's like ready to go home. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, no, Rich, we're going to be here for hours. Classic Rich. Actually, yeah. stay tuned uh, to the My Comic Shop History After Show. We're going to try to solve a recent Rich Roney mystery. Okay. So that's still to come. But uh, but yeah, so that was, do you remember what show that was? Uh, I don't know. Probably Creation. Oh, okay. Creation so that's really going back. Yeah. But so you had your plan of attack. I went I went straight to Ben. And then so you were just like walking, walking up and down the aisles? Up and down the aisles. Again, blurry glasses. So uh, I couldn't focus on anything, which is fine. So I just kept walking, walking. Any yeah. particularly memorable encounter? I mean, you, I know you told me the people you said goodbye to and all that, but any other memorable encounters or sights? Anything well, that really all, struck you, you? You run into a lot of alternate realities, old customers. Who'd you see? The only one I saw was John Eric, the one who asked for that uh, retailer exclusive comic. I didn't he was there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I rented Jack Shea. And, and Chris, oh, okay. 13, 13 and 18. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, and then uh, there's that guy, Steve Huvain. You know, he's like uh, a federal uh, agent. And, um, you know, we just chatted with a few different people and said hello. They and, tell you how much they miss the store? Yeah, a little bit. You, know, you could see it in their been, eyes, I it's bet. It's been three years, you know. I, I so, you're, um, you're telling me, I know. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's nice to be remembered fondly. And again, through Facebook and all that, you still have people pump, you know, saying, I miss the store. Um, I don't do a lot on the alternate realities Facebook page anymore because I'm just so busy being political online. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to hear and it's nice to see faces and nice to see that people are, you know, their lives are continuing to move on forward. Um, 
But I mean, I see I see alternate eyes people on the streets in Westchester because of supermarket. You know, that's I have to say, that. like that's something that that's a common theme among retailers because it came up in my uh, interviews with retailers for the documentary where you know they've they've talked about like everywhere they go around town they you know they see people and it sometimes can be weird when you see people out of the context of the store. Mm-hmm. Did you make it down to Artist Alley? I didn't even know where they were, where it was because they moved it. There was a, it was yeah. the section that it used to have that building that part of the building is gone. It's under construction or something, right? They they have oh, a, like the old that like, old you, that yes. alley and all that. It's yes. all gone. It's like it's like holy mackerel. Uh, so it, it was downstairs as it was last year, but it was in a different spot downstairs oh, okay. this year. Uh, there was more room. It was it was definitely more substantial this year. Okay. Well, I know that you said that Brandon was on the list, but Brandon was on the list, and he uh, was. Yeah, he was there. Oh, I didn't see him because I didn't go to Artist Alley because again, I it's it's almost not embarrassing, but I hate to. Aside from the crowds, and you're like trying to elbow your way in to, to look at the guy's portfolio, at this point, it's like I'm not going to buy original art. And um, again, there was an old, old Chile theater that we went to. Rich and I went to at uh, in Rut- at Rutgers University in their gymnasium. It was before it was a big deal, and they had a lot of um, uh, not Playboy models, but uh, screen queens who would be sitting there with a you know table full of uh, they're all very, you know, dressed very nicely, lots of makeup. They're very beautiful women. Big table full of like black and white and color photos of them in from different films that they're in. Sometimes they're nudes or whatever. But they're all sitting there hoping that you would come over to the table and chat with them. They could smile at you and get you to buy a, a autograph photo for whatever it was. You know, it could be five, ten, maybe now. It's, well, at the time, maybe expensive at twenty. God knows what the people charge now. I think it was like fifty to a hundred dollars for a photograph if you're lucky. And then the big stars, what, a couple hundred dollars? So, um, but you know, again, for me, it's like I, I, my days of collecting autograph photos are long gone. But you don't want to make eye contact with these people when you're walking down. Mm. And same thing now with the artists, especially ones who have no crowd around them when they're just sitting there because they're really no, not a big name. Right. It's tough. And, you know, we actually talked about this on the last episode of My Comic Shop History. I had a couple of New Jersey-based comic book creators, you know, who are really trying to get their foot in the door in the industry. And, you know, we talked about how, you know, there's that certain cost-benefit analysis they have to engage in when they're deciding which shows to go to because, you know, they're they're not really at that level where they're getting invited to shows. So they have to decide whether it's worth the expense to, to, to buy the table and then, of course, to, you know, the travel expenses and everything else as well. So it's tough. So I know as you're walking up and down Artist Alley, you see all these people here, you know, you know, kind of what their goal is for the weekend and you know what they're going through. And, you know, if, if, if you're not interested necessarily, I know it can be a little tricky yeah. to navigate. Oh, it's very, I mean, every, every aspect of this hobby, this industry is tough. Whether you want to be a writer or an artist, it's like there's so much competition and, and there's a lot of very talent there are a lot of very talented people in this business sure and um and like anything else we were talking about earlier this like also a lot of it's who you know yeah so you could be the best artist in the world you could be the best writer in the world that came up with the secret of the universe but nobody's going to read your script yeah you know and uh but if you're the cousin of so-and-so who knows somebody and gets their foot into the, the door so the editor talk to you and maybe throw you a, a four-page short story you know suddenly you're in the business right well, in any event, I'm sorry that I missed uh, Brandon Montclair. You know, Brandon listens to the show, so Brandon, I'm sorry I missed you. I hope you had a good one. I think uh, Jin was there. I oh, think okay. Jin took, uh, I don't know if he took both daughters, but uh, I think I think she made some comment about that. She sat at the table, I guess, when Brandon was taking a break so that she could impersonate uh, Brandon Montclair. <laughs> nice. I made two stops in Artist Alley. The first was I went up to Peter Tomasi, 
you know, DC mm-hmm. Comics. He, he was an editor for a long time. Now he's been writing. He did Batman and Robin and Superman and Super Sons and all that good stuff. And I actually met him at a signing at All Yeah Comics uh, a few months back for oh, Action, action. 1000. Yeah. Uh, really nice guy. He wrote the Death of Superman animated movie that came out uh, a few months back. Mm-hmm. And which uh, Mike Sangrigori and I discussed in the series premiere of my super fan history, the Superman podcast that I've been doing now. And I just I walked up. I had to tell him how much I enjoyed his adaptation of the story. And I it was lucky. I I think I walked by once. Maybe he was talking to someone, and then I I took a lap back, uh, and he was free. I walked right up to him. I think he kind of remembered me from from <laughs> from the oh yeah thing. Um, but I just told him how impressed I was with how he took the bones of that comic book storyline, the death of Superman, which was basically the seven issue slugfest. And he layered uh, all of this emotion and really centered it around the budding relationship between Lois and Clark and really gave it a lot more emotional resonance. And it wasn't just a slugfest in the movie. It really built up to the slugfest. And once you got to that battle, all of those, you know, the battle felt more earned. And the end, even though you know it's coming, really packed more of a punch. I was tremendous. Again, you know this. Listeners know this. Death of Superman got me into comics. It's very near and dear to me. Um, I was so impressed with his adaptation, and I told him that. I, he seemed to appreciate it. That's nice. Yeah. That's the, so that's the sort of thing where, like, that was worthwhile to me, like, to be there at the show, to be able to have this interaction with him that I wouldn't be able to have otherwise. It's like, yeah, I could tweet him. I don't know if he would see it. I don't know if he would respond. We're not going to have that that face-to-face moment. But it was it was genuinely, it was really nice. So that was something that, to me, was worthwhile. Yeah, I guess that's what the whole the, po- the whole point of the convention is. You get to meet and talk to people that you'd never in a million years meet otherwise. I, right. I think with the with Evan, I mean, he was an adult at the time, but we went to the Comic Con maybe it was two or three years ago when all three gentlemen who were the actors who played Godzilla came from Japan and were at a special table downstairs. Um, and you know, the fact that most of them don't speak English was actually a plus for us because <laughs> you can we can go up to them and talk to them That's you know true. so um yeah you have the competitive edge yeah so i mean there are, you know, obviously there are godzilla fans there american godzilla fans who are just happy to shake hands and take f- pictures and get autographed photos of uh the, the godzillas that these guys were in the costumes for but uh but we got to chat a little bit and then um and evan got to have they were selling a what is it? It's called a yukata. I don't know what you call it. It's not a kimono, but uh, it's it's just a light jacket. But it was a special convention special that they only sold at the Godzilla store, I guess, in Tokyo. And um, so, you know, he got it and he got it autographed on, on the back of the shirt, uh, the back of the, uh, the, the yukata uh, by all three gentlemen in nice. Japanese. Cool. You know? So... Uh, Again, that's something you'll never be able to get. And one of them has passed away since then. But um, the original. But uh, he actually had that thing framed. And it's, it's like the, the the prize piece of um, of his uh, room. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, you know, obviously that, that was a, that was a, that was a, a great thing. Because all, like, all the other stars is like, you know, there are a lot of movie stars and, and, and TV show uh, stars that you say, gee, I, I like that show and it'd be nice to meet them. But now it's like ridiculous to do that, to get online and have to say, well, only only here from two o'clock to three o'clock and you have to pay the ticket in advance for $120. It's like, Argh. you know, we talked about this in the car, uh, you know, on the ride down there. That's something that I, I can't I can't bring myself to pay to take a photo with anyone 
to be honest. I and if, if, for people who are into that, like it's cool, and then you have the photo and you can post it or do whatever with it. I get it, and that's that's exciting. But I don't know. I, that just doesn't appeal to me. And you know, we talked about how you know Dean Cain was there. And, you know, I grew up watching Lois and Clark. I'm a fan. I, I enjoyed his portrayal of Clark. It's like he's someone I, you know, I would like to meet, but not, I wouldn't pay money to take a photo with him. I wouldn't pay money for an autograph. Um, I did watch, because they, they, Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher did a Lois and Clark panel uh, during the convention. I forget mm-hmm. which day it was, but there was video of it online, and I watched that uh, over, over that weekend. And it was cool to see them talking about the show. Both of them seem uh, pretty pretty thirsty for a revival of some sort. They <laughs> both seem very into it, well, very into it, the prospect. I mean, the show ended on a cliffhanger. It did not have proper conclusion. So I don't remember how it ended. Spoiler alert for a show that's been off the air for <laughs> decades. But <laughs> it ends with uh, Lois and Clark finding uh, an infant in their living room. And they don't know who he is or where he came from uh-huh. and that's it oh okay so i mean there's definitely you know the a c- conclusion that we never got so that's the sort of thing not to get too off track here but with all of these revivals and everything I, you know i'm a little i'm a little wary of them generally i feel like it's i can get behind it when there's there's truly a reason for it like it did not have a proper conclusion you know and or all of the original participants are available and willing and there's truly a, a worthwhile story to tell if that's the case then i'm cool with something like that uh, but in any event that was what they, they talked a lot about uh, on the panel sort of their willingness to do a lois and clark revival uh, and what some of their ideas would be for it so yeah. kind of all building off of that child that they found at the end yeah i get the feeling if it weren't near a comic-con if it was something smaller and there were the guests there that something would say gee let me get online for this um yeah, I would have. I would have gone to yeah. the panel, to be honest. So I didn't do but, any. I didn't go to any panels at the show. Again, I, I I didn't, and I wouldn't do any autographs or photos. Um, I, like I said, I was down in Artist Alley. I saw Tomasi. I told him about uh, how much I enjoyed the animated movie. Uh, stopped off to see V. Ken Marion. We had mm-hmm. a nice chat. He did uh, one of the Kickstarter reward sketches for the My Comic Shop Country Kickstarter. Uh, Drew Cheskin, our mutual friend, uh, he selected that reward. It was a Wonder Woman sketch. Um, Ken did a great job with it. He's had it for a while. We were finally able to connect. Now I have it. It's in my possession. I texted Drew today. I'm like, all right, it's in the Westchester County. So we're <laughs> almost, it's almost there. So we'll get it to him soon. But So I stopped by to talk to Ken and get the sketch, and that was a lot of fun. Hmm. So he had seen the series premiere of the new titan show that's going to be on the dc universe streaming app uh, he was invited as a dc comics creator to the premiere i think it was the night before the convention or something like that and uh he spoke very highly of it okay well i look forward to it you know i mean i, I don't not watch these shows i enjoy them but i don't expect them to be a emmy winning or academy award winning things know, that are Steve, be low expectations low, but it's entertaining you know yeah. so, i mean um you know i guess I didn't take it, I, you know, honestly, about this convention, I didn't take advantage of the things that they did offer. I didn't look at the program when I got it. I probably should have. Then I would have seen, you know, certain, some of the Doctor Who people were there. Hmm. And uh, I, I guess you know, River Song was there. So I figured, oh, gee, you know, I would have liked to have met her. But I don't think, again, I would stand online for an hour or whatever for it. Um, there's an actress named Alicia Witt who... She's on a lot of Hallmark romances. <laughs> I kind of like her. But she was on, you know, A Walking Dead and she was oh, on yeah. Supernatural. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I know you, what you're talking you about. You know Supernatural, right? I sure do. Okay, you know, she was she was the um the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the girl with the, the eye patch. Sure. Um 
I just saw that the other day, and it's like, oh, you know what? As soon as she was on, and, and it's like, oh, you know what? If they're going to kill her off at the end, I'm going to hate this episode. Well, everybody dies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> eventually. But, uh, well, on that show especially. Yeah. But, uh, again, spoiler. It, uh, she survived that episode. I don't know if she comes back. I'm still working my way through this thing. It was season 11? They're I don't even in, know. They're going into season 14. Oh, okay. Actually, well, by uh, the time this airs, the season 14 will have started. Oh, well, okay. I'm actually a season behind myself. There's so much. But anyway, so I've been, you know, for the past couple of years, three years, I've been going, <laughs> trying to catch up on Supernatural. But again, Leisha Witt, I, she's not, she wasn't on the guest list, but I heard later on that she was there. And I said, oh, you, know, cool. you know, and not, not for her Walking Dead appearance, but, uh, and she's also a singer. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, but uh, that was probably... You know, you, sometimes when you think about, like, who's your, your big guy, Sylvester Stallone. Sure. You know, I guess, you know, right now, I guess Alicia was about the only celebrity. She's, she's your Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> right now. But it changes. You know, years ago, it was um, Lara Parker from Dark Shadows. So when I got to meet her, it was like the thrill of a lifetime. Hmm. Um, but again, you know, after after so many years, you see so many people, and it's like, well, can can live without it. You know, some... I think the only thing that strikes me every now and then is like you look at somebody and say, wow, this person is so beautiful. This woman is so beautiful in real life that no picture captures this. Hmm. I, thought, I thought that about Bai Ling. Remember her? Yeah. Uh, she's a little odd uh, personality-wise, but I guess, you know, uh, her reputation is. But when you meet her in real life, she's like so strikingly beautiful. It's like, oh, I can't, it's, you're speechless. Hmm. Yeah. Danny Glover was something. There's a little old black man walking past me to try to get to the bathroom. <laughs> Listen, everybody poops. Rubbing, rubbing elbows with the greats, right? Listen, he probably uh, he probably went at the retailer breakfast too hard and he had to hit the bathroom. <laughs> so, all right, let's go back to the convention floor. So, I mean, how, you know, we talked about how in the beginning it was easy to walk around before, you know, the place filled up. Once, you know, we were a few hours in, um, how did you find navigating the floor? Yeah, after about the, I got through all the comic book people the comic book dealers and then all of a sudden you're near publishers yes and um again i wasn't going to go through I, I i went to look at some of the uh, toys and action figures oh it's like but, stuff that's going to be coming out yeah like sideshow has a fantastic uh, display and sure. kotobukiya and all those guys and you look and say jesus it's overwhelming they're all beautiful can't get them all i used to say gee if you had a bazillion dollars in a huge warehouse and you bought one of everything at this new york comic-con Next year, it's going to be whole new stuff. Yeah, it never so, ends. Yeah, you can't can't do it. So uh, by the time I got to the other half, that has the small independent guys. I don't even know who's there. Um, it was like, I think it, it reminded me of like when you get caught in a flash flood, and all of a sudden you're just like being moved down the aisles, not even the direction you want to go, and um, and it's like, gee, I, I can't do this anymore. It's, you know, it's challenging. And again, it's at these big shows in particular, I mean, really this one and, and San Diego, where it's it's especially challenging just to get from point A to point B. Uh, I feel like most other shows, I mean, again, and I talked about this earlier in the season, C2E2, another show by Reed Pop, the same company that does New York Comic Con. You know, that that's a big show, but the space that they're in is, is just gigantic. So it's it has a very similar feel to New York Comic Con, uh, same type of design and layout and all of that, but uh, there's actually room to maneuver. Here, it was challenging. I do pride myself on being able to kind of weave in and out, but there got to a point where it was it was hard. It wasn't as bad as, as last year. Steph and I went, again, we, the year we went to cosplay, and we just went on the Sunday. 
and it was so hard to move. Um, even at the busiest point on Thursday, it wasn't quite as bad as it was on Sunday last year, but it was hard. I think it depends on what part of the show you're in. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, it was still, uh, you could still maneuver. Um, but there was that point where it was so crowded that you couldn't even walk. We couldn't even walk, much less stop to look at anybody's stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I've seen it, most of it before. And, you know, there are things I have absolutely no interest in. I'm not going to buy swords. I'm not going to buy corsets or pop. I don't collect pop vinyls. And there's so much of that. Speaking of pops, but on a positive note, uh, (laughs) (laughs) those damn pops. (laughs) We love the pop. I love the pops. Did you see our buddy Chris Wilcock at Undiscovered? I couldn't World? even. I didn't even see his table. They were all the way against the wall. Okay. I mean, again, there's it's so much, so many people. Um, but we want to give them a shout out. They are yeah. actually one of our sponsors this season. Uh, so we'll do an in-show shout out to Undiscovered Realm. Uh, they were set up at New York Comic Con as they set up at conventions, you know, uh, across the country. You can also uh, visit them in person in White Plains or. Uh, buy from them online, undiscoveredrealm.com. Uh, they're your go-to place for any pop or gaming needs. They're where I get my pops, and there's really no higher recommendation than I could give. <laughs> what more do you want? Okay. Um, Listen, when a new Power Rangers pop comes out, I'm texting this guy. I'm like, do you have it in yet? He has it. He puts it aside. Mm-hmm. He comes over to podcast. He brings them here. get home delivery. Wow. It's like, you okay. know, I'm not promising that for others. But, you know, uh, again, whether you go hit them at a convention or online, uh, or in person, uh, I do encourage you to check out Undiscovered Realm, and you know we thank them for their support. I'm sure. So I saw them. Yeah, I, I'm sure there are a lot of other dealers, and it never even occurred to me that they'd be there. But because of the the mass of people, I just kept just trying to bob my head above the crowd to catch some air. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. during that initial period where it wasn't too crowded, you know, I was walking up and down, yeah, mostly in the vendor area. I didn't make my way over to the publishers and the other booths until a little bit later in. Uh, so for the most part, I was I was where the vendors were. Again, Ben was my first stop. I walked by uh, the Archie booth. I saw Mike Pellerito, the president oh, yeah. of Archie, right, yeah. uh, Mark Hammond, who, in addition to being uh, the owner and manager of Oh Yeah Comics, also works for Archie. Saw them real fast. We really didn't speak. They were in the middle of something. Um, and then, of course, I stopped by uh chris's undiscovered realm booth um they have one of the you know the biggest pop booth displays that you'll see at the show uh but you're right i mean pops abound i mean they're at a a lot of a lot of uh vendor booths and even booths that like aren't um don't specialize in pops still have at least some i mean you really they're all over the place yeah yeah as you talk about that i was thinking to myself i went over and i talked to mike pellerito for a while we don't talk about comics. And I suddenly realized that all the people I go to visit, we don't talk about comics. We talk about the stock market. We talk about family health and you know, yeah. all kinds of other things. But it's, uh, I used to joke that, uh, like Joe, he, uh, you know, he's been doing it for a long time, selling these things. Um, he only does two shows a year, but uh, he does most of it by mail. But given a choice, if you said, well, do you want to go to this convention? Or do you want to go play poker <laughs> or, or, or fantasy baseball? You know, he'd rather talk baseball. Well, you know, we talked about this all the time with the AR community, right? Even though we all met at a comic shop and bonded through a shared love of comics, you know, those Saturday night dinners, 
there was usually very little comic book talk. I mean, yeah, we would talk about the comic book related movies and TV shows, but um, yeah, not a ton of comic talk. I mean, I guess you ha- kind of have that, you know, the, the foundation of that, and that's what initially brings you together. But, you know, when it truly is an actual friendship, you know, you're not limited to just talking about things that, hmm. you know, you know, the, the common interests that you have. That's what's interesting about their, uh, what do you call it, a book club that they have. Right. The, the alternate path. Yeah. Uh, Certain what? members of our community, they have a book club going on. Yeah. I mean, do they actually sit there and talk for five hours about whatever comic book was assigned? I couldn't tell you, but I doubt it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as far as how many people were at the show, I mentioned at the beginning that number that Read Pop announced is 250,000 people. I was reading an article on ICV2 mm-hmm. <laughs> today. They were kind of breaking down uh, the really the entire New York Comic Con, and we're talking about that number in particular. And so apparently what that refers to is, <laughs> quote, every fan interaction with the brand, uh, but more specifically, uh, tickets sold. And since they don't do weekend passes anymore, I think there are actually like very, very limited weekend passes, but generally they don't do those anymore. So you have to buy tickets for each day. It, that number includes every ticket bought. So people who went who bought four tickets, that counts as four, even though it's one person. Right. So when you see like the 250,000, it's not that there were actually 250,000 people. 250,000 attendees. Right. Yeah. So, but but it's not that. So it's, if you're going by the tickets. I, I suppose. It's I mean, still, a, I'm not trying to diminish it. It's no, still a it's, significant number. Because there's way. no way to know if with a guy bought all four days, but he could only go one and then right. pass it on to the next guy. So There's that. But I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it, it was packed. I'll be honest. I, my, I, I felt my mood change as the day went on, like in the morning, mostly I was tired, man. It was an early morning and that <laughs> breakfast was boring. Uh, and I was just fighting to stay awake. The first couple of hours of the show as I was walking up and down, and it wasn't too crowded yet. Like I felt good. Like I was like, had a smile on my face. Like I was letting people go ahead of me. Like I was not in a rush. I felt good as the day wore on though. I got more tired and there were more people. Like I felt my mood, <laughs> I felt my mood worsening <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to the point where, you know, when three, three thirty rolled around and I texted you, I'm like, I'm good to go. I thought your mood was worse when, when we got there and there's like the construction company protest. <laughs> and then I said, well, okay, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> well, all right. Well, so let me talk about the, you know, the, the, really the big piece other than the breakfast, really the big piece of my convention experience. I, I hunted for back issues for the first time in a really long time. Because again, I had no other purpose. And as I was walking up and down, I'm like, well, what am I doing here? I was like, I need, <laughs> like I needed a quest of some sort. So I mentioned before that I'm doing this, my super fan history show, talking about Superman uh, comics and TV shows and movies and merchandise. And the next episode, which is going to be out the first Wednesday of November, is a book club discussion of the Alan Moore classic, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Uh, recorded it already. My guest was Andrew Proto, former AR oh, customer. Okay. He came over. We recorded. I'm, I'm really happy with the episode. I think people will enjoy it. But so I recently reread Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow uh, in trade paperback form and just enjoyed rereading it, enjoyed talking about it. And I kind of had it in my head, even before I, I got to Comic-Con, I kind of had in my head like, uh, it'd be kind of cool to get the single issues. For one thing, we're only talking two issues. It mm-hmm. was a two-parter. So it was a very, very minimal, self-contained back issue hunt. And, uh, you know, as you well know, and as listeners know, I mean, it's a different experience when you read the original issues versus reading them in trade. You can see, I mean, yeah, the quality is not going to be as sharp, but, you know, you can see the ads for other books at the time and for products that were coming out at the time. And you just, I think, get a little bit more of a sense of the, you know, the flavor and the context of when the book came out. So I was like, I think it'd be kind of cool to do this. I looked them up on eBay and I saw that they weren't going for a tremendous amount of money, maybe 10 or 20 bucks each, something like that. It was, it was very manageable. So I'm like, all right, I think this would be... 
a nice, easy back issue. I'm like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done this in a really long time. Part of it was I just kind of wanted to prove that I still could, I still had it in me. <laughs> uh, so that was sort of what was motivating me for, for most of that show as I was going to these the different vendors and flipping through the back issue bins. And I got, I found both issues relatively quickly too did you uh, know, at different booths. Did you know the issue numbers? Or yes. you just figured it's, it's the tail end of that, the run? No, I knew issues. that. I had the numbers. Oh, okay. So at, there was one booth and I don't remember the name of it, but for anyone who was there, if you were doing any shopping, you would probably remember it was the booth that had all of the comic book sets. Like they had miniseries and like entire runs. You know, like if a book ran 100 issues, they had all 100 issues packaged together. I noticed them, yeah. Yeah, so the, the booth with all the sets, uh, they also had, you know, individual individually bagged and boarded back issues. So that was where I picked up the issue of Superman. They actually had two copies. One was five bucks. The condition was a little worse. And then they had a, a, a better quality copy for 20. I'm going with the $5 version. I figure that's sufficient for my purposes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, it was fine. The staples are a little off, but uh-huh. it is what it is. And and then I found the issue of Action Comics at, I think it was Victory Comics, I want to say. Two bucks. Mm-hmm. And great condition. I'm so, a little surprised because to me, those things are uh, milestone comics. Yeah. So I was surprised I, with the action. You know, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I've seen those things at conventions on the guy's wall behind the table. Well, that was interesting. So I didn't know where, it would, you know, so as I'm going, as I'm walking past these, you know, all of these vendors, like I'm looking on the wall, I'm like, it might be there, might be in the bin. So I wasn't sure. That was a question. Yeah. I, I didn't know. Yeah. I, I did try, you know, I looked, of course, you know, at, at, at Zap as, you know, our, our friends. And mm-hmm. of course they uh, have such a tremendous back issue selection, um, but they, I didn't see it there. But, you know, it was, it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun although at the end of the day you know we talked about this i kind of had this moment where it's like i enjoyed the the quest while while it was happening but then when it was done it's like i don't know was it, was it really worth it was it worth it to go and go through this when i could have just ordered them online i don't know that's a you know it's it's a question well, i don't think there's anything wrong with it I mean, no it's, it's, it's it so not so much a thrill of the hunt that usually one encounters when you go looking for back issues but um, but it's nice to have it in your hand. You know what you're getting, and you know yeah. There's that practical price, matter. You know, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I sell a lot of stuff on eBay, and I'm sure that even as honest as I like to think I am, I think there's there there's, there's that buyer out there who has no idea who I am, and it's like, gee, if I call this a VG plus, and he's worried that about his five bucks, <laughs> you know, it's like. It's, Stuff you don't need to worry about, but it, yeah. it, it could prey on his mind. No, look, the thrill of the hunt is a real thing. I actually wrote an article for 13th Dimension about the thrill of the hunt and about my quest at Comic-Con. Uh, it's actually out right now, so hopefully people will check it out and enjoy it. So the focus of the article is actually, though, not about my hunt for those two comics, but rather the Kenner Superpowers Clark Kent action figure that I finally found at the show. And that's the sort of thing, and I, I go into more detail in the article, but... Uh, you know, that, that line of action figures uh, is special to me. I had the Superman figure when I was little. I've since rebought it, uh, you know, a few years ago. But I never had the Clark Kent. That was a mail-away exclusive. Um, and it's the sort of thing where it's, I see it on eBay all the time, and I'm always kind of tempted to order one. But as you said before, like, I'm not that hardcore collector anymore. So I've been content to just kind of wait and see if I, if I came across one in the wild. You know, and again, I, I wouldn't say I'm actively hunting for it, but it's the sort of thing where if I see a vintage toy booth, I'll take a look, kind of always in the hopes, like, oh, maybe they'll have it. 
And sure enough, I found it at one of the booths. I don't, I don't, again, I don't know which booth it was. Um, I actually don't know if it was Toy Hunter or something else, but uh, they had a bunch of vintage toys, like all in the original packaging. Uh, and then they had some, some cases, uh, wooden cases with glass covers of uh, various superhero lines. And one of them was superpowers. There was a whole case of, of loose superpowers figures. And dead center was the Clark Kent. Still intact, bright, paint looks great. Uh, when you squeeze the legs, the arm move, the, that super action thing still works. So I was thrilled. And going back to what I said at the beginning, the Odoism, Hesitation Kills, I went for it. I saw my opportunity and I, I bought it right away. Have you had that much trouble finding it? That's In on- person, yeah. Yeah, really? Okay. Like I said, it's not like I go out of my way for it, but like when I'm at these conventions, I mean, I do look. Oh, okay. Because I feel like I've seen it so much that it's like, oh, it's there. That's why, you know. know to me, it's like, uh, well, you're lucky because you're just limiting yourself to Superman and Superman related. So maybe you'll go for a Luther or something like that. But uh, well, I ha- so I found the Luther at San Diego okay. Comic Con. <laughs> I've picked up uh, Green Lantern and Flash from its vintage in Mendham, mm-hmm. New Jersey. Okay, um, he's the one who's I you know I posted the photo with his collection, the mm-hmm. owner his personal right, right. collection. I mean, he has all of them multiple times over, as well as customized versions of right. them. Like it's insane. It's yeah. amazing. Um, but, and he has a few of them for sale at the store. So I picked up a couple there and, uh, but it's the sort of thing where, again, I'm, I'm casual enough in my collecting that I don't feel the need to get all of them. It's just kind of what I happen to come across, depending on what the price is, what condition they're in. Um, but I was, I was very, I have to say that was, I did get that charge Mm -hmm. of finding the figure again, as with the comics afterward, I sort of had that debate with myself of like, you know, once that momentary charge passes, you you are kind of left like, well, all right, was, was this really worth it? And so that's why I'm always curious, like, you know, for other collectors, do they genuinely, you know, enjoy that thrill of the hunt? And is it worthwhile for oh, them? I think, other, I think other collectors do, because at the end of the show, you, these guys on Facebook are posting, it's like, their haul. This is, this is what they got today. And yeah. it's like, I'm looking at it saying, well, okay, that's kind of different, but that's pretty common. But for them, it's like, they've been looking for a long time and they're yeah. happy. So it's like, you know, it was a good day for them. Yeah. So I don't begrudge people. I mean, no. yeah, obviously there, there's stuff that I couldn't care less about that people are, are going crazy. I mean, you guys, I know you like your, what is it? Morphin Power Rangers? Yeah, Mighty Morphin. Yeah. And I know Turtles are still big with a lot of people. It's like, gee, I just can't get into it. And, yeah. um Well, look, I mean, it's a generational thing. It's like what you grow up watching. I mean, yeah. if I... Well, I appreciate, but I mean, I appreciate it. I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, Frank Rucco or Rucco, uh, I don't know how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, man, he's been on the show. Yeah, he... uh is how does how is it pronounced? Ruko. Ruko. Okay, I always said Rucko. But anyway, he's a big GI Joe guy, and he always goes to those Joe conventions, and he he posts this fantastic collection that he's amassed of carded and and boxed vehicles and the whole thing. And um, you know, I I wouldn't collect it, but I look at it and say that's amazing to see. I feel the same way about uh, yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, realistically, if somebody if I got a call and somebody said I'm selling my GI Joe collection, and I take a look at it. I'd probably make an offer, but not because I want to have a gigantic G.I. Joe collection because I just put it on eBay and sell it. All right, you recognize the value of it. Yeah. Yeah. Frank's collection is incredible. Um, you know, just a, a little hint, you'll be getting a really good look at it on screen soon enough. Oh, okay. But, uh, but the same type of thing. So, you know, again, going back to this being a generational <laughs> thing, like I grew up watching Power Rangers and that's really important to me. And, and so when I see people posting their Power Rangers collections, it's like, oh, like it's so cool. Uh, I was just a little, a little bit too young for to really be into GI Joe or Turtles. Like there was some over the Transformers too. Like I, I just didn't, didn't quite hit. So when I see that stuff, it's like I, I appreciate what it is, and I appreciate the fact that people enjoy it, but it doesn't really speak to me. 
So, but yeah, I mean, certainly finding those, uh, those Superman issues and finding that action figure. I mean, it, it was cool. I enjoyed that momentary charge. It gave my convention experience a bit of purpose. Um, whereas initially I felt like I was kind of aimless there. And, uh, and again, you know, it was cool to see, you know, our friends there. Although, you know, I talked about this with Ken. Ken was the main person I was able to actually have like a few minutes with. And we actually had a conversation with most of the other ones and the vendors in particular. It's like, they're busy. So it's like, at best, it's like, Hey, how's the show going? See you later. You know, that's really all it is. It's Mm -hmm. nothing really of substance. So again, I feel a little bit empty sometimes when I just have those, those fleeting encounters, but it's still nice to see them. And, um, and again, to have that opportunity to see Ken, who I don't, get to talk to in person all that often to see a Peter Tomasi who I'm never, you know, I rarely have that, that opportunity either. Uh, you know, it was cool. So I really enjoyed those pieces of the day. Mm-hmm. You know? Again, everybody gets something different from the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to say about our New York comic-con adventure? Uh, let me think. Would you say we took comic-con by storm? I think uh, that's probably overselling yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's overselling Uh, so I, I talked about Zap. Oh, I went to talk to him about Jay's stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, again, because he does buy a lot of stuff, he's interested. Talked to Jay about it today. And as is typical, Jay's, uh, oh, man. So I don't know if this is ever going to happen. Um, let's see. I just, I think a, a special shout out to people who do cosplay. I think they did a really spectacular, I mean, there's some amazing costumes out there. People really take the time and, Maybe they've worked on it all year long, but when they when they appear in costume, it's it's fantastic. Um, again, it's it's like anything else. You know, you look at a piece of uh, uh, original art and you say, "My God, to have the imagination to be able to draw this is amazing." So there's a lot of talent out there. Um, there for sure. Yeah, you, know, you look at the uh, the statues and uh, it the, the the action figures. Again, you know, for me personally, I don't think I'd ever want to spend the money to buy them, but at the same time, you can't deny that these are the, some of the most beautiful pieces of art and work that uh, I've, I've ever seen. Um, I don't know what else to tell you. It's, uh, there's just so much to do there. I don't have the energy for it anymore. You always wear comfortable shoes and it's not going to be enough. And um, yeah, it was my last one. I'm, I'm glad I went. glad I got to see the people I wanted to see. Um, actually, for me, I mean, I'm glad I was able to go and look at this stuff and say, I don't need to buy this anymore. For me, that it's it's a it's a good way to shut that door so that I can open the door to sell all the stuff that I've been accumulating for sixty years. So, uh, store's open for business. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed your experience. Thank you for allowing me to tag along. I had fun. I'm if this truly is your your last one, I'm honored that uh, that I got to share it with you. No, we'll see you next year, right? <laughs> yep. I see you at five thirty, five thirty four. Um. But yeah, no, and you know, just kind of to build off on, on what you were saying, I mean, I, I concur about the cosplayers. Uh, buddy of mine, Justin DeVoe, he was on the show last season. He does a, an incredible Lobo cosplay. Uh, he debuted it at Comic-Con last year, and then we did an episode talking about it, and he's he's done it at a number of shows since. He was back uh, this year, and yeah, I'm seeing him on, on all of these, you know, photos of him on all of these lists, on websites all over the place. Like, it's really cool. He's posting with comic creators, and it's, it's really cool. And actually, the next episode of My Comic Shop History is going to be about cosplay. Um, there is uh, a woman, she does a uh, an Agent Carter cosplay, uh, mm-hmm. among other characters. Uh, so she's going to be on the show in two weeks, and we're going to talk about cosplay. Because it really is a fascinating piece of this convention puzzle, and really the, the artistry and the the passion and the commitment that you see in, in these cosplayers is really something. Yeah. I mean, to, to have to, 
especially some of those big bulky costumes to have to walk around. People don't understand how hot it gets under that stuff. Yeah. Or you have these gigantic wings. So you, 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 I'd be afraid to bump into somebody and they destroy my wings. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's other things that people don't think about. And, you know, shout out to the, I mean, really shout out to everybody, but, you know, to the, to the vendors as well, because it's, you know, it, it's not easy. I was really thinking about this, especially in the context of the pops and, you know, Chris Wilcock, he'll be on the show uh, again for the finale. And so I, this is kind of a question that I want to pose to him because, you know, for the pops in particular, we talked about how prevalent they are now at these shows. I feel like it must be harder and harder to make your booth stand out. Uh, so that's something I want to talk to him about. But uh, again, you know, there's, there's so much going on. It's a sensory overload. It's, it's really an experience. Yeah, sensory overload. That's that's the word. Yeah. How tired were you when you got home? Um, yeah, it didn't really hit me till later. I mean, considering I woke up at four thirty, um, it probably didn't really hit me. I, I was just, I wouldn't have gone out to do a marathon, but uh, it's just to me just another day. But I know that I'm older and I'm tired. I will say, I mean, I, yeah, it didn't, again, my, my legs were <laughs> kind of tired and sore in the moment, but the recovery wasn't bad at all, but it, it would have been hard doing multiple days of this. I mean, I think one and done was, was it for me. I was perfectly content. Yeah. Well, a lot of our friends went for multiple days, Yeah. you know, and it's like, well, you know, it's, they're having a good time, but at the same time, I don't think they're under a huge pressure to walk around, see everything, do everything. I mean, they're going this as friends and hanging out together, right. going out to get something to eat and then coming back later. Yeah. You know, so, so it's not... It's not a, I won't say it's not a business thing, but. Right. Uh, no, it's true. And, it's not, right, exactly. Not so much a mission. It's just, the, it's like going to the to a play, playland or something like that, yeah. right? Um, no, it's true. I mean, I, and we talked about this when we did our survival guide, but, you know, I think a big thing for anyone is, you know, determining what type of convention experience you want and what your goals are. And, you know, you could pass the whole day sitting in an air-conditioned room watching panels. And, yeah. You know, that's fine. Yeah, I think Rich would prefer that. But he, Rich likes the panels. Yeah, he likes the panels. And I just don't. You know, the, I think the days of like rummaging through boxes when you're on, on your hands and knees to go through stuff under the guy's table, yeah. just, those are those are long past. So, well, I want to thank you for taking part in this episode. Well, thanks. So thanks for coming along. And, and, uh, and <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'm telling you, we, we should have a, a, a multi-person panel and televise this. Yes, I know you've been pushing for a video a video podcast. Well, well, we'll keep it in mind. Yeah. And uh, so again, thank you for taking part in this. Thank you to everyone for listening. Steve and I are going to keep talking uh, for the My Comic Shop History After Show. So if you want to hear that, head on over to the My Comic Shop History Patreon page. And then we'll be back with another uh, all-new episode focusing on cosplay in two weeks. And until then, don't be a flat squirrel. If you're a music fan, I've got a podcast here you should definitely check out. The Third Man Podcast is an exploration of Third Man Records and the vinyl revolution through the lens of the White Stripes, the Rock Hunters, and other Jack White projects. Hosts Paul and James cover a range of topics and interview some very special guests, such as Grammy-winning artist Rob Jones, Detroit music legend Mick Collins, and many, many more. Comic book creators, such as Dean Haspiel, Mike Cavallaro, Alex Segura, and others, have also stopped by the show for some fun music conversation you're not going to want to miss. New episodes are bi-weekly on Wednesdays, and available for free wherever you find your podcasts. Oh.